So as we think about work, um, I just have a couple of questions that we're going to start out with. Um, and maybe the first one that's not up here would be just so we can gauge how many people in the room here are currently um, employed or working either for yourself or for someone else, maybe not retired and not quite to the age um, where you're too young to work. So how many people are working? Okay, good. So we have a few people who are retired, um, but there's a lot of things that you probably do, and so this can apply to lots of, uh, of those. Um, so the first thing is, what are some of our jobs? I'd just like to get to know what are some of the jobs we have in the room. Attorney. Okay, attorney. Tree and, Tree and landscape work, okay. Surveyor. Electrician, surveyor. Accountant. Accountant. Okay. What was that? Teacher's aide? Teacher? Audrey? Missionary, okay. Any other jobs? What was that? Millwrights? What is that? I'm so curious. <laughs> Industrial mechanic. Okay, okay. Those are terms I've, I've heard before. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so we have lots of different jobs. Um, what percentage would you say of your week do you spend at work? Just if you had to kind of guess, think about it for a second. Too much? Too much? Okay, that's a good answer. <laughs> 50%? Okay. 75%? Okay, so I think what we can all agree, this is a, a pretty large chunk of our time in the week um, that we dedicate to doing something, that we dedicate to work. So why do you work? What's your motivation? Well, to provide? Okay, that's a really good one. You like to eat. Okay, well, actually, you know what? That, that's very biblical. We're going to see that a lot tonight. <laughs> Enjoy work? Hmm. 
Yeah, so I like what you said. Work is good. That's a, a good attitude to have. I think that's a very Christian attitude to have. Um, and using work as a place to get to know people who don't know Christ, that's really good. Um, maybe a sub-question to this, um, because I think that a lot of our motives in this room would be really good and very biblical motives, but maybe seeing some contrasts um, with our culture. What are some of the people around you um, who are not saved, what, what do you think motivates them to work? Money, okay. Money, okay. Necessity, okay. Yeah, I mean, if you don't work, you don't eat. Yeah. Status, okay. That's yeah, yeah. What kind of job you have becomes very important. Yep. Once, okay. Yeah. So not even necessities, but just extras. Yeah. And so our last question is, why do you work the specific job? that you have. So why are you an electrician or a, a teacher's aide? Why, Candy, do you have something? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's a challenge, and so you like the, yeah. Okay. Okay, so you love your job. What are some other reasons? Yeah. Um, I teach in a Christian school, and so when I teach science, I get to actually teach creation, and I get to teach Bible in all my subjects, and that is just thrilling. And hmm. last year I had a couple of new students that came from public school, and some of them had never been to church in their life before, and so... It was fresh and new. They were learning things they had never known. Yeah, so you get to teach people truths of the Bible. Audrey, did you have your hand up? So um, I think that a lot of times uh, when we're in the midst of work, although we do love it and although there are, you know, good things that we enjoy about it, sometimes it can feel a little bit um, like a drudgery. I know that's a common attitude that people have at their job, that it's, you know, a lot of work and it's hard to get through. And I know that a lot of my unsaved friends view work that way. They're just living for the weekend to just get through these five days and then life can be okay for two days. Um, And that's part of uh, what we read in Scripture, but that's not how work starts. So we're going to go back to Genesis again. I know we've been in Genesis the the past two Sunday nights, Um, but it it sheds a lot of light on these things that we interact with. They are in the beginning um, with all of these things. So if we go to Genesis 2, we see that the origin of work is actually, is actually instituted by God, and this is pre-fall. So we know that work is a good thing. Work is not a result of the fall. 
Uh, If we read in verse 15, chapter 2, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And so, uh, and he commands him, you know, he can lead of any tree except for the one. And so we're seeing already Adam is being assigned some jobs. He's assigned naming all of the animals. He's tending the garden. And because this is before the fall, we know that this is um, not like laborious or toilsome. This is uh, lighter work in comparison to what we experience today. So we see God instituted work. God made us to do work. So it's a good thing to do work. So we need to make sure we have that attitude that it's not a drudgery. It's not something we have to, we have to do and there's no joy in it. God made us to do this. And God works. And so it's a way that um, reflects his character. And um, this was definitely um, to our benefit because Adam is supposed to toil um, in the garden so that he can eat. And so there's definitely a tie between working and eating already in Genesis 2 that Adam is working so that he can eat. And it glorifies God because God does a lot of things. And so when we do things, when we work, we're actually reflecting his character. And he is getting uh, the glory from us demonstrating him to the world, which is really exciting. Now, the second side of that does come in the next chapter in Genesis 3. And um, we read this when we started talking about technology, but I think it's good to read it again. Um, In verse 17, And he, God, said to Adam, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I have commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And so we see that um, sin makes our working conditions harder. So we um, don't just have to tend to a garden and keep uh, what God has already designed to flourish uh, going. Um, But this is going to be hard work. We have to weed. We have to toil. It's um, a lot of work. So work is harder because of sin. Work is more tedious. But these conditions ought to point us to our sin because I think that we can all see that We long for a world that is not like the one we live in. We long for a world where um, work isn't drudgery, where work isn't hard. We all kind of crave that. And so we can see that with the people who work for the weekend. That's not necessarily um, a horrible thing because they, they have part of it right. There is something better that God has designed us for. And we do live in a world that is complicated and has problems. And those should point us to the fact that there is sin in the world. And so this is definitely a part of the gospel. And so we need to take advantage of that opportunity when maybe we hear a coworker complaining, like, well, this probably isn't the way it was made, right? This, this, there was something better that God intended for us. And there's lots of proverbs about work. We're kind of going to work through this topic through the Bible. Um, and they're just kind of scattered all over because proverbs is sort of like that. Um, So I'm just going to read a couple of them for you. The first one is uh, Proverbs 4.10. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. We also see in 12.11, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. And we've got 13.4. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. 
Um, if we see in 14.23, in all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. And we've got 16.3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. And we have two more. Um, 20.13, love not sleep lest you come into poverty. Open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread. And lastly, 22.29, do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. So some principles we can draw out of this. Firstly is that uh, working hard puts food on the table. That's, there's definitely a connection between this, that if we work diligently, we will eat. And so I know that um, in American history, right, the, the adage was of the early settlers, if the man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. And that's a very biblical principle. Um, we ought to be working um, for what we, we have. And there's also a contrast to that is that lazy people will go hungry. And so um, this, this challenges us to do two things. Well, first of all, we need to help the industrious with their physical needs. Because there are times, because we live in a sinful world, that an industrious person, someone who is a hard worker, will fall on hard times and will not be able to provide. And so that person, we ought to be excited and able to help them with their needs. So the industrious person, we need to help with their physical needs. But that doesn't mean that we ignore the lazy person because they have a heart problem that they're not uh, willing to work hard. And so the lazy person, we need to help them with their spiritual needs first and foremost and help them to see that God has created them for work and that that is what he's intended for us. And then we can also see that um, we work to the Lord. Um, we could see that in there. We, we're not working for our own glory. We're not working for um, just the people around us. We are working to the Lord. We're going to see that in some more detail here. And hard work stands out. That last proverb talked about if, you know, if somebody works diligently and they're skillful, they will stand before kings. They will not stand before obscure men. So we should honor people who work hard and we should um, point that out. And that should be something to be praised. Um, so if we turn to Ephesians 4.28, this isn't quite the passage we're going to camp in yet, um, but there's some good principles here. We're getting to Colossians. That's where we're headed. Um, but in Ephesians 4, verse 28, this is um, in the context of Paul talking to the Ephesians about their new life in Christ and how he's taking... Um, people who had the old self, which was full of sin, and how he has transformed them into new people, into new creations. And so specifically in this verse, we see that work is the result of redemption. So for the lazy person, um, we can't just tell them to work harder and not give them Christ, because it's Christ in them that's going to create this new attitude. So with thieves now work. It says, and let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So thieves, people who used to steal, we see now that they're in Christ, should work, should work hard. And profit uh, that they get from working hard is not their own. Their profit is for others. It's not just so that they can provide for themselves and not have to steal anymore. It's so that they can have something to give back to other people. And so I think that's a really important principle we can see tonight. So now if we turn to Colossians 3, 
And we've been just racing through all of these passages. Um, but this is the one where we're really going to see um, a lot of these principles tonight. So Colossians 3, um, Paul is again talking about putting on the new self and how we are new creations in Christ. And then he starts to talk about households. So he talks to wives and husbands and children and how they ought to function. And then he addresses bond servants. And this is uh, literally slaves and how they ought to relate to their masters. And we have um, a whole book about this, actually, the letter of Philemon. Um, and so there's a lot of interesting things in there. Um, but tonight we're going to just draw some interesting principles from here. So he says, starting in verse 22, Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work hardly as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. So first of all, we see that um, they're supposed to work hard, and this is a principle we've been seeing throughout. Um, and the, this work that they do, we might automatically think, you know, it's just to, to please the people who are in charge of them. But they're really primarily working unto God. And this is also talked about in 1 Corinthians um, 10.31. Paul says, So whatever you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And we're all very familiar with that verse. And so um, that's talking about everything, but even more specifically here in Colossians, we are supposed to work not for eye service, that people might see us and think well of us, but we're to work for God. And so when the boss is not in the room, we aren't supposed to slack off. When, you know, people aren't paying attention or maybe they're not checking the numbers this week, uh, we can't slack off. We're supposed to work heartily as to God. I remember when I worked retail, um, this is maybe something I probably shouldn't have done, but I was trying to work really hard, and um, I was one of those people who you might not have liked who wanted to get signed up for the email rewards program, and that was my job, and, um, and that was being you know, heavily enforced by our, our bosses that we had to get people signed up for this, and they were threatening to cut back our hours and things like that if we didn't get a certain quota. And um, so as I was checking out this, this one lady, uh, I just kept talking to her about the reward program. And, um, and she was getting a little frustrated. And finally she just was asked, you know, why do you just keep going on about this? And I, and I said, well, do you do your job half-heartedly? You know, like this is, this is my employment. This is what I do. So I want to make sure I'm doing it to the best of my ability. Um, and she was kind of taken back because I think often we don't think of retail workers as people, you know, they're just cash registers. Um, but we're people, I promise. <laughs> we, have, we have needs too, you know. So um, it, was, it was just really interesting. And I remember that, you know, this was uh, not a great job, you know, but I was going to do my absolute best, even if it frustrated some people. <laughs> um, so we, we work to God and we work heartily. We work with all of our might. And we see here also um, knowing that the Lord, that from the Lord you will receive uh, the inheritance. Um, you are serving the Lord Christ. And so, yes, we work for um, our necessities, and we work to get paid and to be able to give that to other people as well. Um, but God gives us the reward. So um, if you feel that you're not making enough, 
God will give you the reward. He rewards hard work. And that might not be in this lifetime. It might be in eternity. Um, but it, it kind of alleviates the pressure to complain about how much we make or about how much um, hours we get. You know, if we are doing our very best and we're trusting that God will provide, even if we might not feel that we are being fully compensated, we get our reward not here on earth, um, but we get it from the Lord. And I think that's a really important perspective. And also, we see that God gives justice, so um, there's no partiality, because oftentimes we can have the attitude of glancing around and seeing someone else who might not be working as hard as we think we are, and, or we might not think they're working as hard as we are, and um, they might be making more than us, and it can be easy to begin to complain and grumble about that as well. Well, there, there is no partiality. God is, is just, and he, if he rewards those who work and um, we can trust that he will balance everything out in the end. That's not our job to worry about that. And so uh, we work hard, not for our own gain, but to give to others. So how should a Christian view work? Well, first of all, this is a way to demonstrate God's glory because as we see in the very beginning, God has created us to work. This isn't just some problem that we have to solve because of the fall, but it's in our origins that we would work. And it demonstrates God's glory because he is someone who does things. And so as we work hard and as we um, do things, we show the character of God. But more than that, as we work in our workplaces and we do our best and people might look at that and that might be exemplary, we can point them to the fact that we don't work for our employer first and foremost. We work for God. And so we are not serving just people here on earth. And that can be a good way to glorify God and to make his name known in our workplace. And it means that God, it's, it's, it is a means, work is a means that God uses to provide for us. And so sometimes people might have the idea, well, if I need to trust in God, then I, I should quit my job, I should sell everything I have, give all my money away, and God will provide for me. But then you've just become a burden on other people unnecessarily. And so that's not the correct attitude to have. But we should do what God has asked us to do, what he has convicted us to do, work hard. And if we have um, less, God will provide for us. If we have more, that's a way that we can give to other people. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. But God has given us work as a means to provide for ourselves. That's why Adam worked in the garden and tended the food that would sustain him. And so we need to view it as that. And it's not just uh, something to provide for our wants and our desires and all the extra things we can do in life. It's to provide for our necessities. But it's also a means God uses to provide for others. So if we as a church all decided that we would all quit our jobs and sell everything like the rich young ruler to follow Jesus, then we couldn't even help one another, and we certainly couldn't help people outside of the church. And so work is a means that God is using to provide not only for us and our needs, but a way that we can give of the extra that he gives us for others' benefit. And again, we work for God and not for men. So we are here to serve God primarily, and allow him to get the glory. And so that means if we feel undercompensated, um, we work heartily for God, and it doesn't matter um, about those things here on earth. So I know that was a little fast 
a little quick, <laughs> so we're going to get out a little bit early, but that'll just make up for all the times that pastor goes long. Uh, <laughs> so I'll close in prayer, and then we have um, a hymn, Be Thou My Vision, and I want that to, to be the thing that kind of sticks in our minds, that as we work, we're not looking toward material gain, we're not looking toward the praise of others, but we are looking primarily toward God, and that he would be our vision. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we've spent in your word. Thank you that you um, do provide for us and that you give us uh, able bodies to work and to serve you and help us to um, have the right attitudes and, uh, in our workplaces and that we would uh, speak well of you in our actions and that when people would look at us, they would see that um, we are obviously not working for something here on earth, but we are working for, for your glory. And uh, thank you for providing this for us, that we can be uh, sustained, um, but that we can also give back to others who are in need and help us to have that attitude and help us to be looking to you to be the provider and that we wouldn't have to look elsewhere, but that we could just focus on you as our uh, Father, our Creator, and our Sustainer. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.